Happy Cinco de Mayo. You're listening to Eddie V's Horror Show. Welcome back to Eddie V's Horror Show. This is a special Cinco de Mayo episode where we are going to take off from last week with our uh, Legends of Mexico. Violet was not able to be here last time, but uh, she is gracing us with her presence today. Hey, everybody. Are you ready to drink some Mexican booze and talk about Mexican legends? Absolutely. Awesome. Glad to hear it. And speaking of which... Our spirits, before we start talking about spirits, uh, is I was going to try and get more of that Gracias Adios Mezcal, but the place that I stopped at didn't have it. So today we're going with Kimosabi Mezcal. Kimosabi, trusted friend. We're about to take our first taste of it now. It's, I can tell uh, by the look on your face. <laughs> well, it is still... A shot of mezcal. A shot of kind of hot mezcal. Um, but it is, uh, it's a lot smoother than Like temperature Yeah. Okay. Not spicy mezcal. But, um, we are mostly going to be drinking this in margarita form. But the, uh, the initial shot of it, I would say that it's, it's comparable to, uh, Gracias Adios. Maybe not quite as smooth. But, uh, yeah, Kimosabi, not bad. I do like it. It tastes the same to me. Okay. If you would like to try another form of margarita, I also have some Cayman Jack. Like, margarita beer, but it's not like beer. Gross. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we'll probably stick to the hard liquor. So, you were a teacher for a number of years. Yes. And, uh... You started your career in South Texas, right? I did. So I imagine that there were quite a few legends that you heard of. I learned a lot, a lot. So I used to teach literature, and I always like I always like the idea of being an elementary school teacher because you can you get to have parties and you get to celebrate holidays. But I hated the idea of being an elementary school teacher because you had to teach elementary school kids. <laughs> Fair enough. So I tried to bring the the spirit of elementary school to my upper level classrooms. And so I always, um, the whole time I taught, I always marked all of the holidays um, with something literature based. Because um, I'm that teacher that's like, oh, we're going to have fun on Valentine's Day by <laughs> reading poetry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in middle gave, school. Well, yeah. And in high, I mostly taught high school. So for every year on Halloween, we tried to read scary stories. And whenever my first Halloween teaching was in South Texas, and all of the kids had ghost stories that I'd never heard of. And so they were all based on Mexican legends that their parents had taught them. Many of my students had immigrated from Mexico or farther south. Um, and grew up with these legends, still had family back in Buenos uh, and stuff that would tell them these legends whenever they went home. Right. That's really cool. Cool. It's really cool to be able to hear the legends from people from that culture, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, one one thing. Really that, only two. I mean, I only heard about three of them. You came up with way more than I've ever heard of. 
Yeah, I mean, I originally put these together. There was only one of these, aside from the two you told me about. There was only one of these that I'd heard of, and it wasn't La Llorona or La Llorona. You know, you, your kids mostly said La Llorona, right? La Llorona. Oh, they did say La Llorona? Okay. So, yeah, that's what I thought it was, because the double L is usually the, the uh, sound. But, uh, yeah. I heard, like, actual Spanish speakers saying Llorona, but, I don't know, maybe they were more anglicized than I thought. I'm sure it just depends on... I mean, like, everybody has an accent, and there's regional dialects of Spanish. Yeah. Just like English. I think sometimes it's, sometimes Americans forget that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And so, yeah, in the, the last episode, I mentioned La Llorona, and I'm sorry to any offended uh, Mexican listeners who were getting enraged by my La Llorona gringo. Uh, what I used to tell my kids is, hey, I am so... Super white. <laughs> yeah. Super white. Right. And I've got a super white sounding name, and I look super white. Yeah. So, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the pronunciation of stuff, and don't get mad at me, because I'm trying. Yeah. And, like last time, we will do our best. We'll probably get some names and, and pronunciations wrong and things like that. But it being the Cinco de Mayo episode, I uh, I thought that, and I, I I talked about this at the beginning of the the last episode too. But you know, I thought it'd be a good mention it again because there's a lot of uh, misconception about Cinco de Mayo, and one is that probably most prevalent is that it is the Mexican Independence Day, and it is not the Mexican Independence Day. The other misconception is that it is not a day that commemorates anything at all. That it is just a big party day, and but it is largely meaningless. And that is also incorrect. I don't really know where that got started. What it actually commemorates is the... Oh, God. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I always thought of it as like the Mexican St. Patty's Day. Oh, okay. It's like okay. celebrating Mexican culture. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it is here, or I guess really it's just an excuse to get drunk. But No, it's not. <laughs> for a lot of people, for a lot of people it is, but okay, so is St. Patrick's Day. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what it actually is, is it commemorates the Mexican victory at the Battle of Puebla over the French during the uh, Mexican-French War. Well, I'm glad that we sorted that. So there you go. Little little piece of history info for you there. Alright. So let's go ahead and start talking about the, the creepy stuff. Probably one of the most famous Mexican legends here in the States, anyway, is uh, Chupacabra. And I did not talk about that on the list on the last episode, but uh, I mean everybody I, mean, I believe in Chupacabra. I do too. I've known so many people that have seen Chupacabra. Yeah. Trustworthy people. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I've met people who, you know, in real life, not heard of people or whatever, but yeah, I actually know people who have ranches who believe that they have seen Chupacabra or at least seen the after effects of Chupacabra. And this is a really, this is a recent legend. Uh, the first sighting of Chupacabra was actually in Puerto Rico in 1995 but after that really by 1998 reports of it had been all over latin america in 1999 in texas 
and then later in 1999 in several of the southern uh, U.S. states. It eventually got seen all over the place. If somehow you don't know what Chupacabra is, Chupacabra translates to goat sucker, which uh, is what... It's not as funny as it sounds. Yeah, <laughs> or as uh, dirty as it sounds. Yeah, it would... It would it suck. sucks the blood. Yeah, it sucks the blood of goats and other livestock. Uh, to and its the point, eyes glow red. Its eyes glow red. And uh, it sucks the blood to the point that there isn't any blood left in the animal, which I thought was really interesting. But yeah, a lot of people hear about Chupacabra and they think, oh yeah, I'm sure this is some uh, hundreds of years old legend that you know, has been sticking around for a long time. People still talk about it. Nope, <laughs> it's brand new. Brand new to the old... Uh, Mexican mythology canon starting in 1995. There was actually, a few years ago, a, uh, a group of, of scientists, they were, what do you call them? People that study animals. Zoologists? Yeah, yeah zoologists, I guess. That said that Chupacabra is probably real. Just going by the uh, the sightings of them and the, the way that it's described and looking at the evidence of the attacks... This is this is a real thing, and uh, maybe it's not something paranormal. Maybe it's a, a mutant it dog is. or something, or maybe it's a demon. You never know. Um, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so Chupacabra is real. I believe Chupacabra is real too, and uh, I do think it's interesting though that um, the way that it looks ranges anywhere from it resembling a large mangy coyote to something akin to a small dinosaur. I've never heard the dinosaur thing. But always with the red glowing eyes. Alright, so this one is a little bit creepier. And uh, this is the legend of El Coco, which is also El Cuoco. And it's pronounced a few other ways also. And this is sort of, it changes a little bit as it gets passed around the Latin countries, but it started as a Portuguese legend. He was a, like a pumpkin-headed ghost. But by the time uh, the legend of El Coco made it to Mexico, he'd been adapted to a shapeshifter and is something more like the boogeyman. Uh, he steals children who misbehave and... Uh, well, a common theme. Right, right. Well, yeah, we'll be talking a lot about <laughs> Mexican parents were pretty are pretty devious. Yeah, <laughs> they got a lot of they got a lot of stories to keep those kids in line. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, man, you gotta really want to be giving your kids nightmares to <laughs> to, to be uh, willing to tell them stories like these. But yeah, and this one especially is gonna make kids super paranoid because. Being a shapeshifter, it can be a, a perfect doppelganger of a friend, parent, or other trusted family oh member. So, you better go to bed, because I might be El Coco. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, I have uh, next on the list, La Llorona. So, would you like to talk about that one? Alright, so I weirdly know a lot about La Llorona. I, I always called it La Llorona. Um, because I wrote a paper about it this last time that I was in school. So shout out to all of the kids in South Texas that taught me about it. Because, (laughs) um, so, like, the basic story is something that we all probably, I mean, okay, maybe if you, if you live near any large Hispanic population, you've probably heard of La La Llorona. 
And there's also been a movie made about it. I never yeah. saw it. I haven't um, seen it yet either. I'm, I'm interested. Um, but basically, it is a weeping woman who they she's often like seen near water, so rivers, lakes, the ocean. And she's walking along the shoreline weeping and calling for her children. And she steals children away and drowns them if they are bad. So this, it actually has a lot of like plausible roots, but there's a couple of legends that they have that maybe may be conflated um, from Aztec, um, the Aztec culture. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, the modern Hispanic population in Mexico kind of came from a marriage of the native population, Spanish conquistadors, and um, the Aztec, the, I don't know, the Spanish really tried to wipe out a lot of the Aztec culture and practices, but a couple, right. you know, some of the, you know, some of the traditions remained, um, and there were two gods and like just heaven help me because I'm not going to be able to pronounce these very well. One was Keokotl, um, a snake oh, woman. I, oh, that's sick. Oh, oh, that's sick. Kotli, oh, Kotli Q or something no, like that? that's a different one. Oh, okay. Um, she was known as a white clad savage beast that was often weeping and wailing during her walks of, at night. Um, and they also had a rain goddess named Kotli Q whose worship included child sacrifice. And then the more the child cried as it was being brought to slaughter, the more successful the sacrifice was supposed to have been. Oh, wow. So it's kind of... kind of heartbreaking. Yes, it is kind of heartbreaking. But, I mean, not even kind of heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. But La, La Llorona is... Seems like a conflation of those two goddesses. Walk, you know, walking and weeping and then steal, the stealing of children and drowning them. Like, it just, it, you know, obviously this legend has grown and changed a significant amount, as legends do whenever there's a lot of migration to people, especially oral tales will change a lot based on where people are, and they add new details and stuff like that to it, but there's, um, there's a different reasons why people think that um, La Llorona is weeping, um, maybe there's one legend that you know, her husband betrayed her. Uh, and so she drowned her children in revenge, and she's weeping because of her lost children and her, you know, lost marriage. There's one that kind of links it back to um, an Aztec woman betraying her people to the Spaniards, um, and then uh, murdering her children. I don't know, just like so. There's a lot of like uh, the themes of betrayal in there. Um, yeah. But honestly, like whenever my whenever I first heard about this, all that I really heard what about it was that if you um, go walking at night near a body of water, you can sometimes hear La Llorona. And if you hear her, and you if you hear her and you don't run away, and then you see her, she's gonna get you and drown you. There, there's. It's funny that I mean, so many of these legends fit. It's almost like I don't want to say it's like a cookie cutter. Because it's not, I mean, but a lot of these legends have some of the same traits or characteristics. Um, like, hear, you know, hearing something and then you need to do something when you hear it or else something else is going to happen. You know, and uh, obviously the stuff about it, uh, you know, attacking kids. Well, if you think about oral, in an oral tradition, what is going to... 
what's going to stand out, like the instructions for what you do and the and you know right. if you're a kid and you're hearing this and you're like oh snap she's coming after kids you know yeah. that's how things like we talked about Bloody Mary the last time I was on mm-hmm. that is like a that's a to- that's a kid thing that kids do I mean, like first right. of all because what adult is gonna stand in the bathroom and do that <laughs> yeah. I mean I guess if you know to each his own but you know that's a kid that's something that kids do that 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 like went through my school like wildfire whenever yeah. you know somebody told somebody else and so. Just like, you know, the the fear, the obvious danger to children is what makes these stories memorable. Right. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, so another one. This is almost kind of a um, the adult version of that, because uh, this next one seems to really kind of it prefers to prey on like prostitutes and drunks and people who have been unfaithful to their spouse and the other people that have, like, committed uh, a terrible sin and have not confessed it. So this is the legend of El Silbon, also called the Whistler. Uh, that's not what it's... Trans- that's not the translation, but it's called both things. I'm sure whatever the Whistler is in Spanish. But the Whistler is a wandering soul, and uh, this legend began in, uh, began in Venezuela. Again, you know, sometimes these legends, they start somewhere else. And they end up in Mexico, and then uh, the Mexico, the Mexican version ends up with its own sort of Mexican flair. So, in the Mexican version, El Sabon was once a young man who was, he was always hungry. And uh, he was really tall and skinny, you know, he could never gain any weight, but he was always hungry and eating nonstop. So, but his family had a lot of money, so he he never really was wanting for food, but he was also kind of a brat. So, if he didn't get the type of food that he wanted, he would throw, you know, he'd throw a fit and he'd, you know, go into a rage when he got older and break things. And so one day, his he told his father that he really wanted venison. But his father said, we don't have any venison. And he said, basically, give me venison right now or or else. And his father said, well, sorry, we don't have any. And so he threw, he threw a fit in which he ate his father instead. Oh, that seems extreme. <laughs> a little bit. Um, when his grandfather found out about this, his grandfather cursed him and had him thrown out of town. And this curse uh, made it so that he could not enter the town again. He could never come back home. And he was also doomed to wander the wilderness forever. And uh, either as an immortal or just as a restless spirit, always uh, you know, stuck to the earthly plane. But he, uh, he's still very tall and skinny, looking sort of like a zombie. And he carries a bag with him filled with the bones of other people he's eaten. And uh, the legend also says that the bones of his father are still in the bag. And anybody who is eaten by El Silbon, uh, their spirit will be tied to the bag until he decides to take take your bones out to replace them with somebody else's bones. Uh, Seems sorry. A little bit, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, if you're a good person, Elsa Bone will probably leave you alone. But uh, if you are keeping a 
a dark secret from your family. Uh, if you, like I said, have committed a, a deadly sin that you have not confessed, if you're a prostitute or another promiscuous type of person, or if you are a chronic drunk, this makes you enticing to El Sabon. I guess he likes the he likes the seasoning of debauchery, <laughs> and uh, so he's called the Whistler because as he wanders, he whistles. And uh, his whistling is misleading. If you if it sounds like he's very very close, he's actually far away. If it sounds like he's really far away, he's actually very close. Um, Creepy. Yeah. He also, uh, if you hear uh, his whistling and then it suddenly cuts off, you, you you don't hear it anymore. Then he's likely tunneling under the ground and will try to grab you from beneath the ground. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> Okay, no more whistling allowed on my house. <laughs> but the good news is, if you have a dog, he's terrified of dogs. Because in some versions of the, of the story, his grandfather also had him uh, torn apart by wild dogs. So, <laughs> As you will. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you have a dog, you are safe from El Sobon. So if you are uh, somebody steeped in moral turpitude... Get a dog, or else El Sabon is going to get you. Uh, if you are laying in bed, and you hear whistling outside your house whenever you go to sleep, El Sabon is letting you know that he's just waiting for you to make the mistake of going out after dark. Oh my gosh. And uh, this is in the case of you know somebody whose conscience is bothering them. The only way to get him to leave you alone is to... Either confess or to right whatever wrong you've done. I don't like that guy. Yeah, he's uh, he's kind of an asshole. He's scary as hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was uh, that was one of my favorites. I really like that one. All right, so I also have one here next to talk about Lechusa. I don't really know very much about Lechusa because I don't. I mean, I didn't. I've never researched Lechusa. She's like a witch. She's a witch slash owl lady. Like she's yeah. like a witch, and she will come and she'll flap at you like a big owl, and she will steal you away if you're if you go out after your parents told you not to go out. Okay. This is the garbled version I got from my kids. Yeah. Well, I mean that's actually very similar to uh, La Mayora. Uh, which is an ugly old witch who can turn into a floating black mass. And uh, again, if you have gone out after your parents have told you not to, and she only attacks children, um, she will swallow you up into her blackness and fly away into the night with you. Uh, she also loves scaring kids to death, which is allegedly what she will do when she gets you back to her lair or whatever. Thanks. I think that they said Lechusa would eat you. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, owls do like eating things they've caught, so that Gross. stands to reason. One that I couldn't actually find out a whole lot about this, and I think it's hilarious that I couldn't find out a lot about this because of what it is. Um, there is a legend called the White Death, and everything that I could find out about this ghost uh, online is super, super vague, and here's the reason why... This is pretty much all I was able to to find unanimously, is that it's a ghost that anyone who knows about her, she will come to kill. 
Yikes. <laughs> so, I don't want to talk about it anymore then. So you're welcome. You know about this ghost called the White Death. That's, you suck. <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks for being here, by the way. <laughs> All right. So this one I thought was interesting since you are a medical professional. Okay. Um, there is uh, another ghost story called uh, La Planchata, which means the Iron Lady. She is a nurse ghost who hates... Ghost nurse. <laughs> ghost nurse. She hates crappy nurses. She loves uh, loves caring for people. She's actually a very benevolent ghost. If you are either a good nurse or if you are infirmed. And she will nurse you back to health. Especially if you are being neglected by nurses. If you're a shitty nurse... She gonna come to get you. And uh, what exactly she does to these nurses is not entirely known. But she will start by possessing you. And uh, she Sorry. will do the job that you were supposed to be doing until that patient is better. And then you'll disappear. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So not only are you going to die, but you have to do your job first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do it right. Yeah. The ghost will make you. I mean, I'm not against this. What is it? La Panchata? Uh, La Panchata. Yeah. Panchata. means the Iron Lady. I'm not against this. Yeah. That's uh, largely a benevolent witch. Could who, you... Could you um, or ghost, rather. Could you maybe petition for her to come to my hospital? <laughs> yeah, I'll see what I can do. La Planchada, if you're listening, <laughs> please check out Violet's Hospital. There is apparently a need. All right. So then uh, we also have the Red Car, or Carriage of the Witches. In the 1800s, this legend was a horse-drawn carriage that was painted red, allegedly with the blood of, of past victims. Uh, but it has endured to the modern age, where it is a, a just a red car, and oddly, specifically, sometimes it is a red uh, Cadillac Escalade <laughs> that is travels. Is it still painted red with the blood of the it victims? It is. It is indeed. I mean, can you imagine how gross that would be and yeah. how much it would smell? I am. I can only. Have imagine. you ever been around a lot of blood? I have. It smells bad. Yeah, it's got that like sicky, sweet, metallic smell. It smells like burning pennies. Makes it, I get, yeah, I can get that. Just makes me want to puke. Anyway. It doesn't make me want to puke, but it's not something I'm really like, oh yeah, let my house smell like this. Uh, it, it turns my stomach. But, so it specifically travels back and forth between Mexico City and, I'm sorry, I'm going to try and get the name of the city right, Cuernavaca. Yeah, Cuernavaca. Cuernavaca? Yeah, something like that. I think it's, yeah, Mexico City and Cuernavaca. The passengers are three witches who are disguised as beautiful women. If they see a man walking by the roadside, they'll pull over and try to get him inside the car. If he accepts the ride, they'll sacrifice him to the devil. <laughs> That's what you get for hitchhiking. Yeah. <laughs> then he's, the story usually goes that he's found sometime later dead by the side of the road with arcane and satanic symbols carved into his skin. This seems like a way to just dismiss the things that the cartel is getting up to. Yeah. Yeah, it does. 
It's what is this called? Uh, well, the yeah, the red car, the carriage of the witches. This is the carriage of the witches. It's definitely not the dragloids. Right. <laughs> you see this car, you mind your own damn business. All right. So this one is uh, El Cucuy. El Cucuy. I'm sorry. I'm probably getting that wrong. El Cucuy. And yeah, something like that. El uh, C U C U Y. So I actually realized just now that this may be yet another iteration of El Coco because it is kind of similar, but this one's more scary. Uh, so, well, I don't know. El Coco can look like anybody. That's pretty scary. But El Cuque looks like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, uh, just to save some time there, but with bat ears and red eyes. He stalks children. Upgrade. Yeah. He stalks children who are out after dark. If you're out after dark and you are a child, he won't attack you in the street, but he'll follow you home. And uh, he can change the appearance of his shadow to look like something inconspicuous. And he can uh, even disguise himself as a shadow. Once he follows a child home, he waits until they fall asleep. And then he steals you, stuffs you in a bag, and takes you back to his lair. Where he eats you. Gross. If you come home after dark, and you are a child, you should sleep in your closet or under your bed so El Kukwe can't find you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I guess I'm not a child, so I don't gotta worry about this guy. Yeah, you're you're good. Alright, so this one this one's pretty interesting. It's uh it's more story than legend, I guess, but or it's more story than ghost. But uh, this is the legend of the severed hands. So in 1780, and there is some there is some historical account to this. Unfortunately, the place that I found this legend was not super specific as to what the actual event was. But the legend goes like this: In 1780, a priest hired two teenage boys to help tend to his horses. One night, the boys came back from the stables to find that the priest had been murdered. They went to the authorities immediately, but with no other, when no other leads turned up, the two boys were suspected of killing the priest themselves. After being interrogated to exhaustion, the boys eventually began to blame each other. This led to them both being found guilty, hanged, and having their hands cut off, and uh, the hands were then hung on the wall in the alley outside the priest's house as a warning that you don't fuck with clergy. <laughs> So, the ghostly severed hands are still said to haunt the alleyway, and if you don't cross yourself or wear a crucifix when you walk through the alley, the disembodied hands will come down and strangle you to death. So, that's fun. It also kind of calls out uh, some of the like crappy practices of law enforcement. You, know, <laughs> you just interrogate somebody until they're like, alright, fuck, I did it, can I go home now? <laughs> do whatever you're gonna do. Yeah, right. Just stop asking me questions. All right, I'm gonna skip this. I'm gonna skip one, and I'm gonna go back to it because I think it is—it's really interesting. I'd like to close on it. But uh, I also have La Fantasma, and this is like the more adult legend of the child snatching ghosts. <laughs> so La Fantasma is a witch who masquerades as a beautiful woman and sometimes a prostitute. She lures men into the woods with promises of a good time. Yes. She'll start making out with him, then while doing so, will casually inform him that she, ten she intends to eat him. 
before he realized to you? <laughs> make it out with uh, a girl and she's like by the way yeah, yeah but it was never literally Whoa. <laughs> so, we before- just went right <laughs> past the PG rating we're going for and the X yeah I don't know if we were ever in the PG rating but uh, I guess you did just say the F word I, I, I did Anyway, before he realizes that she's serious, she will lock lock lips with him in a kiss, but slowly suck his entire body into her mouth and swallow it whole. Dang, that's disgusting. (laughs) If a man suspects he has been lured in by La Fantasma while he's making out with her, when she confesses that she's going to eat him, he has to turn loose of her immediately and run as fast as he can. (laughs) Good luck, bro. Yeah. So I feel like, well, first of all, this is this is a cautionary tale. Don't hook up with prostitutes. And also, I mean, does there have to be a ghost story for that to be <laughs> a thing? Like, are people just? I don't know. I mean, I don't understand how that ever is a deal. How is that a deal? Like, yeah. how? Why? Why is that the avenue you go down? I also feel like this this was maybe invented to create some what the fuck moments with prostitutes. <laughs> it's like I. I just said I was going to go down on him if he he tore off into the woods. I don't know what happened. Uh, whatever. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So, that's Lost Phantasma. I I thought that was a... That was an interesting one. All right. And the big finale. This is one of my favorite ones. Um, you may remember that during St. Patrick's Day, the Irish version of Cinco de Mayo, that we... (laughs) We talked like about Irish people and Mexican people all mad in one one fell swoop. Let's offend as many people as we can. I, I, like I said before, I have it on good authority that you can't offend Irish people. I hope the same is true for Mexicans. I don't know if it is or not. Anyway, <laughs> so this is the legend of the Mayan Alushes, and the Alushes. It's, pre- it's spelled A L U X E S, which is uh, not Aluxes for my fellow gringos out there. The Mayan Alushes are like Mexican leprechauns. They're little people who dress in traditional Mayan garb. Uh, they don't like anyone but native Mexicans to enter or visit revered places in Mexico. So, if you're a gringo tourist and you want to get a closer look at the Mayan pyramids, don't. <laughs> um, so, a funny thing about that, that's that's like one of the main things that is mentioned when they talk about Alushes. Uh, that they hang around Mayan pyramids. And so there used to be a big problem with tourists going inside the pyramids. Really? Yeah. Even now, they're they're cordoned off. You can't get, like, within 100 feet of them or something like that. I, I thought that you could climb on them. Every once in a while, they will open them to be more inspected. They do have tours inside them also. But uh, these are only during uh, specific times, and they're not, you know, by and large, you're not allowed inside them. Every once in a while, they let people in. Why? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't, well, one of the problems before was that um, they would be vandalized inside, or people would get the idea there was gold in there or something, and they would they would make holes in walls and open sarcophagi what and things like that. What is wrong with people? I don't know. People are stupid. So if you visit the Mayan pyramids or anywhere else and you get a little closer than you should, you may catch the ire of an Alush. They might attack you on the spot if there's nobody else around, 
But if there are other people around, they'll follow you home and play all sorts of nasty pranks on you. Like, I don't know. <laughs> this is actually some of the examples uh, given. They might hide in your shoes and stab you with knives when you put your foot inside. What a nasty prank. Or they might poop in your food while you're not Ew, looking. Ew, gross. Why? Nothing like having a tiny guy poop in your food. Once you've caught the anger of an Alush in, an, in a leprechaun-esque fashion, you should leave a roast chicken out overnight for them, and they will consider forgiving your transgressions. Uh, the offering of roast chicken. Yeah. I love this. I think it's like one of those stories made up to scare tourists. Like, motherfucker, you stay your ass outside of the temple because, or outside of the pyramid because we're tired of cleaning up your Bob and Mindy were here or whatever. Bob and Mindy. John got a BJ on this spot in 1996. He's lying. Yeah. So that uh, is... Just a, just another sample of the legends of Mexico. There are so many of them. It would uh, there could be an entire podcast dedicated to them, and you'd never get through half. It's just there's so so many of them. I I love that about about Mexican culture, about how 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 rich it is with this sort of thing. That's really interesting. I, I mean, it, I think it comes from having it like like kind of the devil culture, and there there's such an interesting mix of of like religion and and superstition and right. tradition and stuff like that. Yeah, even like in the last episode, we talked about uh, brujeria, which is the marriage of uh, a lot of the Aztec and Mayan forms of witchcraft and Catholicism. It's broken up, like a lot of witchcraft is, it's broken up into white magic and black magic. White magic is like heavenly magic, magic that comes from God and angels and heaven, and black magic comes from Satan and demons and hell. Yeah, it's just, it's like, it's the original Aztec and Mayan witchcraft just dressed in Catholic seasoning yeah clothes (laughs) yeah so that is it for our special Cinco de Mayo episode happy Cinco de Mayo happy Cinco de Mayo indeed eat a taco and take a shot of Cuervo I guess (laughs) or get plastered on Mezcal that's always good too we had a lot of fun I hope you did too and we will see you next time and as always stay creepy Thanks for listening. To read some of my stories, see my artwork, and find links to my videos and podcasts, visit my website at edwardvillanova.com. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about, a work of horror you'd like to hear reviewed, or to submit a true account or short horror story, send me a message at edwardvillanova.com contact or on the Eddie V's Horror Show Facebook page. To shop horror fan merch designed by yours truly, go to edwardvillanova.com and click on the shop link. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, please consider rating and reviewing my podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. The positive, high-star reviews really help me out. If you really like what you're hearing here, please consider giving to my Patreon. The range of benefits include everything from personalized content to free merch and so much more. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash edwardvillanova. Lastly, you can follow me on Twitter at edwardvillanova.